Welcome to the Powerful Decisions Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Gluckman. I'm a life and business coach who loves helping my clients find ease and confidence around making decisions. Every episode, you'll learn the thought work tools I teach my clients for clear and easy decision making. I'll also share real life examples from my life and from my clients where powerful decisions created more of what we want in our lives. Time to stop sitting in indecision or second guessing our decisions. Let's get to making powerful decisions. Hello everyone, welcome back. I have a treat for you today. I loved recording this conversation with my friend, Crystal Gurney. We've been friends for just about 10 years, maybe even over 10 years now. We met when we were both getting trained as postpartum or perinatal support group facilitators. And we helped each other as we both started organizations doing support groups for moms, um, primarily after they had given birth. And we just stayed connected as our lives kind of went on different paths and we moved into varying different careers and, and all sorts of things. And she's just one of those friends where I can not see her for months at a time. And then we get together and we just click right back into place. Crystal is a life doula. She's a creativity and mental health coach. She's a community builder. She's an artist and a professional listener, which I love and really, really sums up Crystal in a nutshell. I think you will really enjoy this conversation. It's super fun. She's a hoot. And you'll hear so many themes about decision making, but then also really about crafting and creating a life that you love. So enjoy this conversation with Crystal. I'm not going to let you sneak in any extra like nuggets without me recording <laughs> that we can never repeat. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. Um, I have, uh, I can feel the wisdom. It's starting, to, it's starting to gather right now. Just, yeah. I can just see since it. you hit record. It's yes. It's so much perfect. wisdom. Gathering. So much wisdom. Okay. So why don't you start with telling me how you how you got to the place of doing the seeds of connection like give us a little bit of the background of crystal gurney up to seeds of connection okay yeah well 40 something years ago in a tiny little town in oklahoma i was born okay um maybe not that far back yeah so i think the the best place to start with it is that i was a birth doula and that was a big um, sort of part of where this evolution started. So walking people through giving birth, being a supportive person, helping them to have the birth that they wanted, or if they had a birth they didn't want, being a support person while they're going through that. Um, and just generally really learned through that how to give non-judgmental support. To what somebody else wanted, even if that thing didn't align with what I thought, you know, or, or what I valued. Um, and then from there, I also trained to be a support group facilitator um, and specifically ran support groups for, uh, I don't know, almost eight years, I think, um, 
for new moms. So it was uh, new moms usually in the first year postpartum. Uh, and I started a nonprofit, ran that um, for quite a while uh, and did a lot of support groups. Then I just started noticing like this support group stuff works really well for lots of things and it doesn't always have to be about parenting. And so I started running groups here and there for other things. Like I did a, um, a group for heart centered entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneurs that weren't operating in the typical like capitalist kind of mindset, but were maybe operating in a different way that, that they wanted space to sort of process what that looked like, what that felt like. Um, I did a group for a post-election processing group. I did a group for um, parents of transgender kiddos, you know, and I just started seeing like how this group work was so good and juicy. Um, and then I developed a six-week group cycle for people who had experienced birth trauma. And I did that a couple of times, was doing online groups long before COVID um, was the first couple of times I did these online groups. And, uh, and then everything went dark, like actually sort of not exactly literally, but figuratively, um, there was a lot had been stirring in my life and a lot of shedding identities in really big ways, a big move for our family and just a lot of changes. And, um, it, I really didn't deal well with it and um, was pretty depressed and it was pretty intense for a little stretch. Um, and I, as I started to slog through that depression and try to sort of claw my way out of it and figure out how to move out of that, I started doing things like making lists. I still have this paper on the back of my bedroom door, this huge piece of paper that I stuck to the back of my bedroom door that I just wrote stuff on every day as things came to me so I could see it all the time. And I started to think about these ways that identity had shifted for me and think about like, how can I replace that? You know, I lost a lot of spiritual practices because I walked away from a very toxic religious framework. And I just started thinking like, how do I replace prayer when I don't believe in uh, an external deity anymore? Or like, how do I replace community when I'm not going to church every week? And like, these are things that I'm missing and were huge parts of my identity. And so I started doing different things, art journaling, teaching myself tarot, um, and, and sort of walking in that a little. Um, I was still doing some group work. And those things just started to come together. I moved through that depression, came out the other side of it. It was so intense, really, really intense. Um, and I got to the other side of it and I knew something was brewing. Like I knew I was gestating something. There was something that was forming um, that I couldn't quite put my finger on. And it's funny now through Facebook memories, like I, I find these little things every once in a while where like I tried to do something and it just wasn't quite the right iteration of it. Um, I beta tested a couple things and, um, and finally it just sort of gelled and it was a little more than two years ago that I did my first Seeds of Connection group, which is a six week group cycle that incorporates mindfulness, somatics tools, so mind body connection. Um, we use uh, oracle cards and art journaling, um, poetry, just sort of all of these things that for me, were so helpful 
for my personal growth, for understanding myself more deeply, for teaching myself how to do things like feel my feelings. Like sometimes I just go, what the heck does that even mean? I had to teach myself how to do that. Um, and I just started to think like other people could benefit for this from this possibly, you know, and, and I could put this together in a way that would really serve people through the community aspect. Like there's something just so healing about being in authentic community with each other. And then through these activities and the things we do in, in our group time um, that really prioritize listening to our own intuition, learning how to listen to our bodies, learning how to do things like say no and not feel like crap about it, right? Just all these things that we sort of know that we should do, but, and we get told to do all the time and we read books about self-care and we read thing podcast, we listen to podcasts about saying no and not feeling guilty. And at the end of the day, we're living with all that information isolated in our own brains and and we're not living it out because we're not in community with each other talking about it creating a living breathing um embodied relationship with self-care with saying no with being our authentic selves and so we get into community with each other and we model those things for each other and we do something with arting on the page that then we start to realize if I can do it in this place, I could do it in my life. Um, and I say that a lot in, in group stuff, you know, anything we can do on the page, we can do in our world. Anything we can do in this time that we're together for two hours, we can do in our life. Um, and we talk about that a lot. And we talk about how we're practicing these things. We're practicing things like stepping out of perfectionism or trusting our intuition. Um, yeah, so I think that's a started with a tiny little baby in Oklahoma and ends with a community group and a cherry on top. Even things like I remember you doing art workshop, you know, and poetry night. All of these different pieces of you, these different passions, just like coalescing and coming together. Did you feel like, did you know that there was something out there? Yes. That you were circling around something? Yes. Yeah. I felt like I was gestating something. Like I yeah. knew, and I even said this to a friend of mine. I had said to her, I can feel something. It's just right there. I can mm -hmm. feel it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not there yet. And I'm just, I'm trying and I'm reaching and, um, but I can feel it there. And then later, what was so cool is this person is such a great friend. She decided to do one of the group cycles. And so she did Seeds of Connection. And in that group, she even said it was so sweet. And she was a little teary and it made me a little teary. Um, and she said, like, I remember you telling me that, that this, that you knew something was there and that you were reaching for it. And she's like, I just, and now this like full circle that I'm sitting here experiencing it and, um, and seeing this, you know, this little baby idea that finally got brought into the world. So, yeah, I did. And you know, what's funny is, um, you didn't ask me this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I was doing a lot of reaching and trying. Like I was efforting a lot. I was just constantly knowing and feeling that that thing was there and like reaching, reaching, reaching for it, trying uh, 
sometimes like brainstorming stuff or thinking about it a lot to try to like get it to be born. <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. about that a little mm -hmm. bit like, you know, you'd see a flower that's like in bud. Like we don't go in and just like start pulling the, it open. the petals open. And I feel like that was a little bit of what I was doing. And it was actually when I realized that and I told myself, stop reaching so hard, stop trying so hard and like be present with what's unfolding now. And that's what's going to move you towards mm -hmm. what wants to unfold in its fullness, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, as soon as I relaxed and chilled out a little bit and just was in my life, it like the threads started coming together. That's awesome. It reminds me too of, of just like accepting what is easy for us and accepting what like sparks us as the stuff that we can be doing in our life, right? Versus like pushing and trying to be something else, putting our, trying to put ourselves into a, a mold of of someone else, whether it's like a good mom mold that we think we should be in or like a good employee mold, right? Versus just showing up as we truly are. I asked you this question once before and I'm gonna, so I'm trying to ask it in another way so that you can feel fresh in answering it. <laughs> okay. okay, you strike me as someone who does things that she wants to do and and figures out systems for getting things done in ways that excite you or at least engage you and decides not to do stuff that you don't want to do. Can you can you give some examples of how that shows up with how you have designed or marketed or ran seeds of connection? <laughs> yeah, I think um there is some elements of that walking through this depression and and shedding identities and having a lot of grief around some of those identities and while i was grieving them also realizing i don't even know that that was fully me like i wore that identity for a long time because other people told me that's who i was or other you know my parents or my religious framework or culture around gender you know other people told me this is how you should be and so there was a moment where I was like, I don't, do I, did I ever actually believe that thing? Do I, was I, is that really how I want to be in the world? Um, and so part of all of this too, was really coming back to like, what's really me? Like, mm -hmm. how do I trace that thread? Um, and part of that was just deciding for myself uh, that I wanted to set the bar of consent in my life to enthusiastic yes. And so if, if anything was not an enthusiastic yes, then it's a no. And, and I feel like that's a great bar when we're talking about consent and, and sex is a great bar, you know, if it's not enthusiastic, yes, just say no or later or whatever. Um, but like bringing consent into our life, like how we navigate the world. And I think consent was really taken from me from a for a few different reasons like again religious framework and and some other things so i had a lot of parts of my life that i feel like i didn't ever really consent to like i did things or i took on identities that really i hadn't decided for myself and so that was a really big part of it um and so with like with the group uh format and moving through what i do with that i have said no to things i've said no to 
you know, other people will sometimes want me to do projects for them um, or hire me for whatever. And I've said no to stuff because I can feel in my gut that it's not an enthusiastic yes. And I can see that if my energy is drained by doing this project for that person, that's that sure I might be good at, but is not my passion, then I'm going to have less to give Mm -hmm. these folks who signed up to walk through this group cycle with me. And just in general, when we say yes to anything that we aren't wholehearted about in some way, we're giving less than our full selves usually, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so then I could really see, like, if I'm saying yes to something that's not good for me, that isn't an enthusiastic yes for me, it's not good self-care. Mm-hmm. I'm not honoring myself, I'm not respecting myself, caring for myself in a way that's important and that matters. But I'm also not caring for my community when I offer things to them that I'm only half into, you know, like I'm not bringing my full lit up on fire, passionate self when I'm like, okay, you know, like it's a different energy. And is that what I want to be offering? You know, am I, am I going to build out a website and then put some stuff on it that I'm sort of meh about, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, is that what I want? No, Mm -hmm. I actually want to put anything that goes up or anything that I do. I'm so excited about, you know, the only downside to it is sometimes when I can't articulate my vision very well, or I'm not my, whatever, I don't have like the perfectly polished marketing. The only downside is I'm sometimes like, this is such good medicine. Like, come on people, Um, you know, but I mean, that's also a function of sort of doing and not doing stuff. I don't want to do because I really resisted social media for a long time because I really didn't want to do it. And it took me finding a framework that I could have an enthusiastic yes to, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and this concept is kind of a sidebar, but we're okay with that. This mm-hmm. concept, we were just talking about this, my partner and I were about enthusiastic yes. And I was saying, how do we reconcile enthusiastic yes with things like doing the dishes, changing a poopy diaper, going to a job you don't love when you need that income to pay your bills and you need that health insurance? Like, there's doesn't seem like there's an enthusiastic yes. And what we really landed on was like, the enthusiastic yes isn't necessarily to the thing, right? Mm -hmm. When I'm doing the dishes, I'm not like overjoyed that I'm doing the dishes, but I'm enthusiastically saying yes to taking care of my family, my community by doing tasks, or Mm -hmm. I'm enthusiastically saying yes to taking care of this tiny human that I love by changing their diaper and making sure that it's clean and that they're comfortable. Um, His enthusiastic yes, my partner who works full-time, um, his enthusiastic yes for this job that isn't fully an enthusiastic yes necessarily every day for him is really that he's enthusiastically saying yes to caring for our family, to showing up every day because that gives our family what we need and, and our quality of life is uh, the way that we need it to be and want it to be. And, you know, he's able to, to show up because of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think about that a lot. Like sometimes I still do have to do things that I am not like all kinds of fired up about, mm-hmm. but the enthusiastic yes is still there. Yeah. Have to find it. I'm curious if that's come up in conversations with your kids as well. Like them pushing back and being like, sorry, mom, not an enthusiastic. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 All the time. 
Yep. I mean, but what we really talk about with our kids, um, you know, we have chores, I'm making air quotes, which nobody's going to be able to see in the podcast, but um, we have chores that the kids are supposed to do, and they don't want to do them. And we don't frame things in such a top down authoritative way that um, I would have years ago in a different iteration of myself as a parent. But what we talk about is that, like, we take care of our community because our community is taking care of us. And our first community is our family, right? Like the parents, the kids who are living in this house, this is our community. This house is our, our community space. And there are things that need to happen. And me and their dad do things for the community. Like he goes to work every day mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pays the bills. And I, you know, we take turns cooking dinner or I drive them somewhere they want to go. And those are all things that that their community is doing for them. And so they get to make a choice to give back to their community. So this absolutely comes up. My 11 year old just the other day said, I'm not going to do that. They just flat out said, I'm not doing it. And I actually said, okay, that's fine. That's a choice you can make. I just want to remind you that if you choose not to do that, somebody else in the community is going to have to do that. Um, And I just want you to sort of sit with that and make sure that you feel okay about um, not doing this thing. Um, and that somebody else in the community is going to have to have to do that. Um, and they're hilarious. And they were like, I know what you're doing, mom. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then they did the thing and other times they do things really willingly. Like they got up the other morning and fed the cats and that's not really their job. And later I said something, I said, Hey, thanks for doing that, buddy. It's so nice to not have the cats screaming at me when I wake up in the morning and they <laughs> dabbed cause they're 11 and they were like community. And I really, <laughs> <laughs> so like they, yeah. they're getting it right. It it's makes soaking sense. In. Yeah. Um, and they're enthusiastically saying yes to taking care of their community, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really love seeing that for them too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I just love introducing that concept to them as they make decisions outside of chores, right? When they make decisions with their friends, when they make decisions about how to spend their time and spend their money or, you know, it's just, it's such a fabulous framework. And it also just brings home it kind of simplifies the idea of consent, right? It's, it just makes it crystal clear. Crystal, sorry. I tried not to use crystal, crystal. <laughs> um, but really clear if it's enthusiastic or not. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Was it challenging or what did it look like when you started saying no to things? Yeah, I think it, sometimes it just depends. Sometimes it ha- has felt really empowering you know, like I send, I sit down to, to reply to something and I type out the email and I'm like, I'm so sorry, this isn't going to work for me. And here's this excuse. And here's that thing. And it's because I have this and I have these three other things and, you know, and I have all these words and then I will go back to it and just cut that shit down. And I'll end with an email that says, uh, no, thank you. This doesn't work for me right now. Send it off. And yeah. oh my God, it feels so good. Like it feels so, so good, good to not have, just to realize like, I don't have to explain myself. People don't need this answer for me. And other times there's guilt or I have other feelings. And then I 
sit with those feelings. I use that as a jumping off point for curiosity. I use that as a, like, why am I feeling guilty about this? What is that? Oh, underlying cultural expectation that women are going to do all kinds of unpaid labor, right? And like, I can, or whatever it is, I can see where some of those things are maybe coming from and explore that a little bit. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think most of the time now it just feels really good. Mm -hmm. And I just say no to a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that could be 25% of my coaching is just helping folks get comfortable saying no to things. Yeah. Yeah. So huge. And this came up in our, in a group cycle One we did one seeds of connection group cycle. And at the end, we always, um, on our last week together, we have a, a really fun ritual where we sort of integrate what we've learned and talk about, you know, what has changed or shifted for us over the six weeks. And I'm always expecting, you know, I bring a lot of thought provoking kinds of activities for us, or we talk about a lot of really good topics. So I'm always curious what people's big takeaway is at the end. And um, at this particular group, there was a earlier week where somebody had set, they had logged into the call. We set a very high precedent of it's come as you are space, you know, participation is up to you. And um, we had logged, we had all logged into the call and about 10 minutes in one of the folks in the group said, uh, hey guys, I, I'm just not feeling like I can be here. I'm really under-resourced, I'm really tired, I'm really emotional um, and I love you all and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take care of myself in a different way and I'm gonna go. Um, and she bounced and left the call. And so on this last week wrap up, a different group member, the thing that she brought as like what was most impactful for her, she said, what was so good for me was the week when that person just said, this isn't working for me, I'm gonna leave. And she said, it was so powerful to see somebody else look at, you know, eight other people and just say like, I am sorry I, that I can't stay here and I'm going to go take care of myself. And that that was so impactful and meaningful for this other person to witness it, to be with that process. Um, and what I, I just, I love so much about that, that like, it was a surprise to me that that was the thing that, that they got out of it, but it also reinforces to me part of what my framework is around these seeds of connections group is that I really feel like we need places to practice, to model these things, to see other people do that, to, right? To, that was why it was so powerful was most of us don't have uh, examples of people who mm -hmm. are doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we don't have examples in our own parents. We, a lot of us for our, you know, our age-ish, have mm -hmm. had mothers who just sort of sacrificed themselves at the altar of motherhood, right? And and did everything for everyone else and never really took care of themselves, never said no. So we just don't even have examples of what it looks like. And if we do have examples of trying to say no, we have examples where somebody said no and everybody got pissed about it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, which is about everybody else, not really about the person saying no. And so what I loved was like in an authentic community like this, somebody can say no or say, I need to take care of myself in a different way. And, and the other people just send love and they recognize like, this isn't about me. It's not about us. It's not because, you know, those of us on this Zoom call are somehow terrible. 
This is just about that person taking care of themselves. And we get to witness that, we get to practice it, we get to watch somebody model for model it for us. And there's something in it, like for this person where she was saying, like, I think I'm going to be able to do that the next time I need to do something like that. Yeah, because I saw it done here. And I just I really, really love that, like getting to bring those things into the space and creating a space where people can say no, they can say I need to take care of myself in a different way. They can say I'm a hot mess. And I'm probably gonna cry through a bunch of this call. And I'm going to leave my light turned off. But I really want to be with you all right. And like the community says, cool, you can be here like that. And we love you the same as when you're here and you're bubbly and excited and we see your face, you know, and I think those things are really, really important. Yeah. Powerful. Powerful. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. I don't think we have spaces in general where we can show up that way. It's something super special and super unique. Yeah. Who, who are seeds of connection for? Mm. Such a good question. Um, well, I right now, Seeds of Connections group are, are open to women, non-binary folks, um, basically uh, not dudes. And mm-hmm. someday that might change. Um, but for now, and I do have other group offerings that are open to all genders. Um, but we have really, I've really seen in our communities really spoken up that, um, that we need a place for people who are uh, navigating the world in marginalized genders to be able to gather um, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, what I really see is the common thread for people that come to this, this group space is they are people who are wanting more. Mm-hmm. Like they, there's a longing. Most people are coming in and they're like, I just, I just want community. I'm craving community or mm-hmm. I'm craving time for myself or, you know, uh, just a real feeling from, from people who are committed to it and who choose to, to step in that there's something that they want more of and that this group space gives them a container to begin to build towards what mm-hmm. it is that they're wanting more of. Mm-hmm. I also think the other places, transitions, like any mm-hmm. kind of big life transitions, identity shifts, um, just big transitional stuff. I see a lot of folks that are mm-hmm. in that, in the space for that. Like they just mm-hmm. moved or their kids just moved out of the house and now they're an empty nester. It's sort of like, who am I now that I'm not a full-time parent or who am I now that I'm not in a job where I'm caretaking people or who am I now that I ditched this abusive asshole and I get to be who I want to be in the world. Right. And, and I feel like it's a really great container for exploring identity um, and having supportive community while we do that. Yeah. And I'll say from my experience of doing one sprout session with you is in case anybody's thinking like, Oh, I don't want to be on Zoom any more than I already am. This is an entirely different kind of Zoom experience. It, I mean, I've never had an, a Zoom experience like this, right? It's so completely different than what we're used to in our work or meeting settings. The registration for the community calls in the show notes. Um, and these are open to Anybody. anyone. Yeah. yeah. Anybody can come to these open, wide open, all genders, anyone who's curious, anybody who wants to join 
some of these conversations. Um, Meg is going to be my guest for uh, the first call in June. So I'm really excited about getting to walk through um, an exercise that she's going to take us through, you're going to take us through. And there, there will be some other guests that it's not, I also say a lot that I just make shit up. Um, and so half of this I'm making up as I go. So <laughs> there will be other guests as we move through it. And sometimes it'll just be me, but um, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good conversations, good things to think about, and really looking at like, what are the small things, small actions that over time are going to add up and be really meaningful. And especially if it's not just me doing those small actions by myself mm -hmm. or you, mm -hmm. you know, each of us in isolation, mm -hmm. but that we're stepping in community together mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we're saying we're going to practice this stuff together. Mm -hmm. Juicy. It's the word you keep using. It's going to be really juicy. It's juicy. It. I know. Like a big um, old ripe, juicy peach. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom and all your goodness. And I know that there are people listening to this and I know who you are, who will love this offering. And I hope you go sign up for it right away and be on the June call with me and Crystal, Crystal and I, and um, check out the blog too. So much goodness. Yay. Thank you, my dear. Thanks, Meg. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to try applying this kind of work, the decision-making and the coaching to your life, I encourage you to hop over to Instagram. I'm at Meg Gluckman or to my website, meggluckman.com and check out my free course. It's called Getting Unstuck with Self-Coaching and it allows you to learn the tools of self-coaching and apply them to any area of your life where you feel stuck. It could be eating or drinking habits. It could be your job. It could be a difficult relationship. Whatever you want to create change around, you can use this course to do that. So go check it out. Getting Unstuck with Self-Coaching on my website or off of Instagram. Enjoy. Enjoy.